Hey everybody, Adam Stott here. Thanks for checking out my podcast, Business Growth Secrets. You're absolutely in the right place. This podcast is going to reveal to you all of the secrets that you've been looking to discover that can allow you to cure your cash flow problems, attain more clients, bring in more leads for your business, and create systems and processes that give you the growth that you want. You are going to discover the business growth secrets you have been looking for that I've used to sell over 50 million pounds worth of products and services on social media and help clients everywhere to grow their businesses on the mark. So let's get started on the Business Growth Secrets podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this very, very special episode of Business Growth Secrets. We are bringing you another tremendous guest. So Helen, who is with me today, is not only a mother of five, but she has been the CFO of one of the biggest fashion businesses in the world, is currently the non-executive director of the most well-known sports chain in JD Sports, has her own consultancy business where she helps business owners to grow, has a management degree in management accountancy, as well as chemistry, I'm led to believe as well. So it seems that, you know, Helen has uh, done a lot and I can't wait to talk to Helen about how she's been able to achieve all these different things whilst also raising five children and building and growing businesses. So welcome, Helen. I can't wait to talk to you. It's going to be really good. How are you? Things good? Yeah, all good. Thank you, Adam. I'm excited. I'm excited. So, yes. You make, by the way, with that introduction, you make me sound really old. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, if you're not watching the video and you're just listening to this audio, Helen's not really old, right? We won't reveal... Well, until about your age, but you're certainly not. <laughs> so just done a lot. You know, it seems like you've fitted a lot in, which actually is a really important question. And obviously we want to get into a bit of your journey. Mm. But I think it's really important. If you are somebody that's been able to run major companies um, from a finance standpoint like ASOS, to be on the uh, board of directors of JD Sports, to uh, raise five children and to also run your own business at the same time, you know, what are your time management secrets? Have you got any time management secrets you want to share? Is there anything that you live by that you do specifically to make sure you can fit all this in here? To be honest, I think I've made loads of mistakes on that front along the, along the way. Uh, I think I, I think for, for many years, I was very, very focused on, on my career. I grew up in a, a town up in the Lake District where People don't tend to leave the town. And certainly if you're female, I think generally the expectation is that you'll get married quite young and certainly have children and stay in that region. So I don't know. There was something in me from very young that rebelled against that and uh, always had a view that I was going to break that mould and do something different. And um, I think as a result of that, you know, for the first maybe 20 years of my career, I was really, really focused on you know, pushing myself with a view that I could achieve anything that I wanted to. And then I think, you know, certainly maybe about 10 years ago, as I started to actually find that I had a few health issues, I think all of a sudden at that point, you realise that over that period of time, you tend to neglect your own well-being. You'll tend to, you know, not eat properly. I didn't exercise. And all of a sudden, I think it's interesting that that your body has a way of rebelling as well and coming back and saying, hey, you you know, you need to take some care of of me as well. In the same way that family does as well, you know, as as you're bringing up children and, 
you know, all of a sudden something will happen with them and you'll kind of think, oh, I should have spotted that or they told me that, but I wasn't really present in that conversation and it kind of, I missed it. I think it's funny how things tend to happen and it'll just give you a bit of a prod to say, you know what, you haven't got the balance right here. There are other things that you need to take care of. And I always believe that, you know, you need to keep career, family and your own health equally balanced, because if any of those go off track, then um, life becomes very, very difficult. So I've been pretty shocking at it up until now, I would say. But, you know, I, I, I get better as I get older of making sure that I try to balance all of those things. And, and often that's about saying uh, no. And again, I've been quite a people pleaser in my life. And therefore, you know, I've always found it hard to say no. And I think um, I'm getting better and better at, at, at being able to say no to things. So do you allocate time to those three areas? Is that the way, is what you would sort of suggest to somebody that, because let's say you've, you've been in business now for 25 years, mm. had a great career. Looking back, would you have done some things differently? Would you have allocated more time to one of the areas perhaps? If you had your time again, yeah, I, I, of you, of course, <laughs> yeah, uh, definitely. The thing that I would have allocated more, I would have definitely allocated more time to the children, and I would have definitely allocated more time to myself because I think anybody out there who's a working parent will know that pretty much on the priority scale, you tend to come last, and you know, that's fine until you do run out of energy and everybody needs, you know, you need to put energy back into the tank. I think people will say, you know, there's a reason why on an aeroplane when their masks drop that you put your own on before you put the children's on. And I think I've forgotten about that through my life. So, you know, absolutely, instead of arriving in the office at seven in the morning because I wanted to miss the traffic and starting work, there was no reason at all why I shouldn't have come to the office early and gone to the gym or gone to for a walk or read a book or done something for myself or even gone and just had some breakfast, you know, instead of just walking in and just, you know, just getting on with the day in the same way that, you know, when I decided to stay in the office and not go to a parent's evening because I worried what people would think and worried that people wouldn't think I was committed, actually, you know, for me, I think I should have been, you know, more demanding and and, and prioritised that a bit more. Now, the reality is that you can't have everything. And I know that people will say to me, how do you manage children and work and you balance all of that? You know, you must be superwoman. Unfortunately, you can't have everything. And therefore, you've got to be aware that and OK with the fact that you're going to make trade-offs. And unfortunately, that that is life and you know, as a result of that, there are plenty of things with the children that I would have loved to have been at, but I've not been there. So I think you have to get comfortable in your own mind with what you're willing to compromise on and what you're not. And then when you know what those barriers are, really protect them really strongly. So set those boundaries and stick to them, really. Oh, yeah, definitely. And, and I do think because I'm quite a task-focused person, I think mm. scheduling in time to do yeah. certain things. So, you know, for me, something like exercise, I, I don't love exercise. I know it makes me feel better after I've done it, but I, I don't, <laughs> I, I'm not one of these people who jump out of bed and go, oh, I can't wait. So for me, 
planning that into my routine and just not thinking about it, but just going, right, that's my exercise time. Or, you know, if the, the, if there are things with the kids, you know, again, making sure that I plan parents' evenings or whatever, things that are important into the diary yeah. to make sure that, you know, I, I, I don't give that time away to somebody else. I think for me that, that tends to work What's really interesting, I think, having interviewed now hundreds and hundreds and probably thousands now successful people, every single person that is ultra successful, you know, runs a smart diary and allocates time and blocks time for, for certain exercises. So if you're listening and you're not doing that, right, that is something that you absolutely, I don't know how many times we have to say, it, but it's certainly something I think that all people should be looking to run and allocate and give time to their lives without a doubt. So now moving back a little bit to um, to what you were mentioning earlier, Helen, is you said that you grew up in small town. Um, you had lots of people around you with the same mentality. Why do you feel that your mentality was different? Because what you said is your mentality was completely different. You felt that actually I can achieve what I want to achieve. So where did that belief come from? Is that something that you created? Is it something installed from you by your parents? Is it something that you maybe had mentoring on, coaching on, or support on, or someone you saw doing something? Where do you think that belief was created? Because I think it's really important belief that you've got there. Um, I don't know the answer to that, really. My childhood was pretty normal, pretty unremarkable, really. You know, my dad was a self-employed architect, so he always worked at home. My mum didn't work. She looked after us, one of four children. I went to the local comprehensive school. And my dad was very traditional in his views, you know, in his views, you know, women raise children and they stay at home and the men work and get stressed and, and all of the rest of it. And, you know, he he kind of didn't have any expectations on any of us of, as children, you know. And I think as a result of that, because I'm quite stubborn like he is, I kind of always had it in my mind that, and I think as a second child as well, I didn't probably get as much attention as my elder sister. I think I worked out quite quickly that the thing I could do differently was actually, you know, just do well at school and, you know, prove myself in, you know, maybe a different, slightly different way. And I think it's really interesting now because lots of people, I speak to quite a few people who are supporting women who come through kind of the STEM sciences, the science and sort of, you know, science types of, of, of educational backgrounds. And they all always talk about the fact that females don't tend to get as much support at school in relation to those kind of subjects. I didn't see that at all. I was so lucky in, in the comp that I was in that it didn't matter whether you were male or female, they really encouraged you to get involved and do whatever interested you. So for me, you know, maths, chemistry, physics, they were all things that it never entered my head that they were subjects that I wouldn't be able to do. And, you know, certainly if I look back to the teachers that I had, they were amazing. And, you know, a big reason for me why I ended up and went and did a degree in, in chemistry so again, I, you know, I was, I was, I was super lucky. I was less supported by my parents. The expectations were low on me, but I think the expectations from a school perspective and the support that I had there were 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 absolutely superb. I was so, you know, so incredibly lucky. And I think although people think that 
you know, you do a science degree and you think, well, how does that link into accountancy? Or well, I'm really interested to know yeah. how does chemistry impact business, right? Or was it just that you were just, it'd be really interesting to know that. Well, firstly, somebody said to me, if you're going to go and do any extra studies, do something you enjoy. And I, and I think that has been something that right through my career, I tried to keep front of mind. It is now. If you don't enjoy what you're doing, you tend to won't do that great at it. So actually, for me, I was like, right, I'm just going to go and do a degree that I find interesting. I don't want to do chemistry longer term, but you know what? I'll go and do it and then I'll enjoy it. Um, and I did. And, and what's interesting now is I come across so many people actually in business that if they've done some kind of science degree, science the way you think about science is quite process. It's quite yeah. structured. And there's probably no surprise then that if you were to look at my diary or my list of to do's or, you know, at night, I'll think about what is it that I want to achieve tomorrow? You know, what's the list and how do I get on and tick that off? All of that is quite process driven. And I think anybody from a science background, you know, that that is drilled into you quite strongly. So I think it's, it's probably no surprise. And I do come across quite a lot of people now in business that have kind of engineering backgrounds or science backgrounds. Um, Which is very logical and very... Very, very, very very logical. But I never wanted to do chemistry. I always wanted to do finance, not because I found it particularly interesting, but understanding numbers, you just use it. It doesn't matter whether you're the CFO of ASOS or you're sitting in a board meeting or, you know... I'm raising invoices for my business. You know, understanding numbers, understanding the basics of, you know, making a profit, cash, managing those things. I think everybody needs to, you know, everybody needs to know at least a bit of that. And, and, and you know, for me, therefore, then it's like, okay, you know, that's a good skill to have. Do I enjoy day by day looking at numbers? Not particularly. Do I enjoy interacting with other people? I love that. And if numbers are a way that help me to bring that into, you know, a team or into business, I guess that's my super skill that I bring to the table. Absolutely. And at low level business, numbers is something that's massively ignored, right? Massively ignored. People tend to bury their heads in the sand. They try to not really confront the numbers and hope the numbers are going to be okay. But a higher level of business, numbers pretty much become everything, don't they, right? You know, it's like understanding the data, the KPIs, and understanding all of the numbers is pretty much everything. All the decisions then become based off the numbers, right? And I think that for a smaller business owner, what would you say for a smaller business owner? What were some of the useful things? Is there anything that you really feel as a business owner, they should know about the numbers? Obviously, they're not going to become an accountant. They're not going to know everything. But what do you think are some of the basics that a small business owner should be aware of and keep in their eye on? Interestingly, I think it doesn't really matter what size the business is. There are some basics that you just don't want to move yeah. away from. And as businesses get larger, they just try and make it more complex. But the reality is that to stay in business, you've got to have cash. So there's, you know, phrases in business around things like cash are king. And, and that sounds really obvious, but it's amazing how many businesses forget that if you haven't got any cash, you run out of cash, then your business will not survive. So and now that's no different to managing your own bank account. 
So, you know, in your own mind, that's about, you know, thinking about the next three months and thinking about what money you've got coming in and also what money you've got going out. So, you know, managing cash in a business is just exactly the same as managing cash within your own bank account. Um, And, you know, you don't have to be a genius at doing that. There's loads of kind of online apps and things like that that will help you do that basic, basic budgeting. But you don't want to hope and pray on cash. You know, you want to do something at a high level to manage that. If you're keeping an eye on your cash, if you want to go one step further, it's then about where are you making some money in your business? And that sounds obvious. But again, it's amazing how many people, when they're thinking about, you know, charging a price for something, that they don't sit down and think, okay, well, how much is that actually going to cost me to do that piece of work? I want to make a bit of a profit on top of that. So I'll add that on and that gives me the price. Okay, is that price right or wrong? And again, that sounds obvious, but the amount of people who just hope and pray that at the end of the day, they may make a profit. And I think there's a piece to me around understanding the costs that sit behind and then making sure that actually the margin that you're getting or the profit that you're getting on that makes it worth it while for you to do the work. Because often you work really, really hard, don't you? And at the end of the day, you go, hang on a minute. I've put all my life and soul into that, but I actually didn't make any money. And I think that's where, you know, we've got to, we've got to be, we've got to really learn and constantly check ourselves that at, at the end of the day, we're working hard, but we are actually getting something back for doing that. Absolutely. And small business owners often have a massive fear around that, right? They, they essentially get hooked on the adrenaline of just bringing more cash into the business not realizing that actually they're sometimes they're bringing negative cash into the business by selling the wrong products or services yeah. because they haven't done those basic things. So, you know, some really, really good points there. So going back to your, your journey and you've, you've come out of uh, chemistry, you, you've uh, gone out into finance. Um, how did you work your way up to be in the position where you've been able to become CFO of ASOS um, then start sitting on the board of JD Sports. What do you think that, what was the journey like and what some of the challenges been like? Has there been some challenge for you? Have you ever felt out of your depth in these particular roles that you've been doing? Or, you know, tell us a little bit about that. So I've had no career plan at all. I live every day by what opportunity comes along and then I kind of make a call as to do I think that's interesting or not. And as a result of that, some of the roles that I've done I haven't enjoyed some of them I've really enjoyed, but all of them I've learned something. I'm quite introverted, so I don't love new things and and new people. But actually, I do recognize that you learn so much by trying new things. So I've always pushed myself that at a point where I feel bored or I feel that I'm not learning, then that feels like the time that I would start to think about doing something different. Now, that threshold of time is different for different people, but I think it's really important to be always thinking about learning something new um, and stretching yourself and put taking yourself outside of the comfort zone. I think that's really important. Where I felt really out of my depth would be in roles where I've ended up being given a role by complete chance. So an example would be if I was a finance, I was a finance director when I worked at Barclays and the managing director that I was working for left the business quite suddenly. 
And I just got a phone call the next morning to say, right, you're stepping into his role. It was an international role that I had never done before. And I think I was 30, early 30s at the time. And I just remember kind of sitting on this call and going, oh, my God, like I, I have no idea how to do this. And I remember saying to the guy who rang me, you know, what do you need from me? And he said, you know, just hit the numbers. It'll be fine. And then put the phone down on me. And I just remember sitting there thinking, oh, my God, because <laughs> now I'm like the boss of people that I used to be peers to. I don't know stuff. I don't know. I just, yeah. And I think that happens a lot to me. All of, uh, well, I'll be really honest with you. Most days I go along thinking I have no idea really what the answer is here. I think for me, I'm pretty confident that with good people that you're working with, you can come up with a solution. So in my mind, I always know that we can we can solve a problem. But I don't sit there and automatically know what the answer is. So there are plenty of times when I'll sit there going, everybody's looking at me as if I should know the answer. And I have absolutely no idea at all. And I think sometimes you've just got to be quite confident in kind of going, okay, look, let's not panic about this. We'll find a way through you know, and, and I don't remember anything that we haven't been able to to find a way through. So I, I think that most people, if they were really honest, I think most people, even if they're experts, most people will have a niggle in the back of their mind that goes, oh, my God, like, is this right? I'm not doing this right. I don't quite know what to do. And, you know, I think a, a lot of in business is about confidence or at least appearing confident. And particularly if you're leading groups of people, you know, they don't want you to they don't want to see you sitting in the corner kind of going, oh, my God. And I think there's a real learning point for me where um, I think it's important that, you know, if you are running a business and you have teams of people or you're working with your customers, it's amazing how people watch you and they watch your body language and they watch what you wear. And they watch for little signs as to what's going on. And I'll give you a really good example. When I was working at Barclays, they had dress down Friday. It was ages ago. So everybody dresses down now. But then it was quite a big thing. You went in and, you know, in casual clothes in a bank on a Friday. It was crazy. And it just so happened that the Thursday I'd been abroad and I got home really late and I took, I had a black suit off and I took the black suit off, put it literally on the floor, got up days the next morning, put the black suit back on and went into the office. Didn't even think and walked into the office. And by lunchtime, somebody came up to say to me, um, you do know, don't you, that because you've come in in a black suit on a dress down day, that they think you're going to fire or do a restructure or do something negative within the organization. And I went, what? Like, I just, I, I couldn't be bothered. I just picked up what I had on the floor. And I think that was a real learning point to me that if you're, you, you know, you, you are leading a team of people or the way you interact, it's not just about what you say, it's about how, how you act. And, um, you know, people perceive lots of things that if you don't look confident, they assume there's a problem or, or whatever. So, 
I, th- I think it took me quite a while to even work out that people do watch you and they watch how you deal with things and they watch whether you're worried or whether you're happy or whether you're grumpy and they read into that. And I think so over the years, I've become much more mindful about, uh, you, you know, about how I react to things and, you know, what are the messages that I'm sending out to people? Absolutely. I think that's even outside of the workplace, you know, going to a business meeting, having an appoint, uh, an appointment, you know, selling a product or service, you know, all of the things you're being judged to a degree yeah. or you're being looked at, people are trying to figure you out. And I, and I think you ne- people need to understand that. Like I went to an appointment last night to look at a kitchen with my girlfriend because she's getting a new kitchen. And the way the guy greeted me, and he turned out to be really good. Like it was really, really, really good. But the way he greeted me, I was like, oh my God, we're in for air. You know, I thought it was going to be an absolute nightmare. I was completely wrong. But, you know, just on a greeting and the fact that his shirt was completely untucked, you know, people are making those calls, aren't they, all the time. And you've got to manage that professionalism 100%. You know, really, yeah, really interesting. I think it, you know what? I think there's a trade off, isn't there? That we we all, I'm a great believer that people should be. Uh, that overused word of authentic because you know everybody wants to deal with a human don't they they want to understand you as an individual however yeah you know certainly if you're selling your product you know people make a decision about you within I don't know it's something like three seconds or something it's amazingly quick and if you make a bad impression in those three seconds it's quite hard to come back from that Oh, yeah, I think it's worth thinking about that. I'll give you an example of something that happened. And it was somebody really really senior that I was meeting up and they came into a meeting. They'd been running around Hyde Park. They came in their running kit with a takeaway coffee in their hand. They still had a, a cap on when they walked in. And part of me went, I love the fact that you've just come in straight from your run. But the other part of me thinks that actually you're not really taking this conversation seriously. And I think, you know, there's a piece here where I think we just need to, we need to balance, don't we, the casual sort of oh, post-pandemic, we don't all need to be suited yeah. and booted, which is right. And I agree with that. But it's still about that. There's still that level of confidence and respect and professionalism that's important. And I think people underestimate actually how much that can impact somebody's decisions. Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, what I also like to ask all the guests, Helen, as they come on, and I like to actually, before we go to that question, I've got one, one really good question that I want to ask you as well. Um, but what's it like working now with JD Sports? That's been an evolving uh, business, an evolving brand. You know, there's been lots of competitors out there in the marketplace, and many of them have disappeared, haven't they, from that sort of uh, brand? And, you know, I've noticed that JD Sports has really moved not just in sportswear, but into fashion into a degree, isn't it? It's a major fashion brand now. What's it like being on the board of that company? And, you know, what are some of the things that you, you've you enjoyed about it and be keen to hear? Mm. Oh, I love it. I, I love yeah. it. I sit on the board and by sitting on the board as a non-executive, that means that I don't work within the business full time. So, you know, in effect, I step, I, I am sort of I've stepped I'm away from the business but I can independently come and have a conversation around the board table and I find that really interesting because you're not in the day-to-day 
nuts and bolts of running the business, but you can actually think about the business from a more longer term perspective. And, you know, JD has, you know, internationally is huge. You know, we've, we've got a business in the US that's pretty much as big as the UK. And as a result of that, the discussions that you're having around the table are really interesting in terms of, you know, where the market's moving, you know, do we want to be in fashion and sportswear, you know, what kind of sportswear do we want to, to be in? You know, you're constantly looking at the numbers. How is the business performing? What is the cash like? What are we going to do over the next three years? What resources do we need within the business over that time? What's the culture in the business like? And actually, you know, does that need to shift and move to make sure we're successful going forward? How do we think about online versus stores and how people are going to shop in the in the future? And there's loads of things that you're trying to think about that you don't really know the answer to. But when you're thinking about how you navigate the business, these are the things you've got to be constantly bearing in mind because whether you've got a small business or a huge business, you are only successful if your customers, you stay relevant to your customers. So, you know. Interesting. What I found really interesting, you just said, everything you said was basically based in the future. Not yeah. in the past, oh, oh, not in the I, present, everything based in the future. Because if you think about at the minute how much change there is out there, I mean, everything's changing. You know, the generational shifts are, are massive. You know, when I was at ASOS, the average age there was 23. When I was in banking, it was 45. And the whole debates that you have with your teams are completely different. The demands of the people what they think work looks like, how you engage them, all of those things that are really different. And the way that, you know, the younger generations buy, the types of products that they buy, what they're looking for, all of that is shifting and changing all of the, all of the time. So even if your business has been really successful to now, it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be successful going forward. Because if you think about, the big businesses of 10 years ago, say on a retail perspective, you'd be thinking about M&S, Debenhams, Topshop, all of those. And if you think now, you know, where those businesses are, um, life changes and customer demands change. And, you know, so if you don't stay relevant to your customers, even if you are currently very successful and have been, there is no sure way of of being successful going forward unless you can shift and move your business to stay aligned with what your customers want. And I know I've fallen into this trap with my own business. You can think yourself, can't you, about what is it that you think your customers want, but what you think your customers want isn't necessarily what your customers want. And therefore, making sure that you are constantly getting feedback from your customers as to what you could do better, what do they want more of, what do they want less of. Those conversations are really important. It doesn't matter what size your business is, staying relevant for your customers is, is kind of, alongside managing cash, for me, they are the two things that you want to be, you know, you want to be focusing on. And it's really interesting, you know, that you said often, you know, one of the things that we encourage 
um, our clients to work on is to really establish who their market is, understand who the market is, and to get that product market fit. But like you say, you know, often it can't be guessed, you know, because if the market is moving and you you and you stay still, obviously you miss the market, right? So it's really interesting you're saying there, and and that sort of leads me on to the, the question that I was going to ask you next. I mean, in terms of for you now, you've worked, you have your own business, your own consulting business. You've been director of these businesses, uh, finance uh, manager, finance director, CFO. You've done all these different roles and worked in small business. You have your own small business, but you've worked in major corporations. For somebody that's listening today that is a business owner, if you had to give them a business growth secret, it could be one, it could be two, it could be three. What would that business growth secret be for you that could save someone a lot of time, a lot of pain, a lot of heartache, or just get them some bigger gains in the future what would that thing be for you and you might have said it already maybe you've already revealed it but you can right i don't think i have said it actually um which doesn't mean i i i i don't think any of the things we've talked about aren't important because they actually are and it would be remiss of a finance person not to mention cash and profit but the reality of a successful business is the people who work within it and it's interesting. There are a few businesses I've been watching recently that I think what has happened over the last few years is businesses have been through really challenging times. But when you're going through a challenging time, you have a real opportunity to either step up and support your team of people around you and the people in your business, or you choose to not support them. And I think what we've seen coming out of COVID is all of a sudden we've got people who are rethinking how they want to spend their time and what kind of businesses they want to spend their time in. And businesses that cannot retain great people are always going to really struggle because with the best will in the world now, you know, people who are hardworking, loyal, committed those things aren't a given anymore um and therefore if you've got good people working for you hang on to them for your yeah, life because <laughs> because yeah. once they've gone and if you think ah it's fine you know i'm not going to pay furlough or i'm not going to do whatever i'll just re-recruit afterwards i can tell you now that is you know that has been the downfall for many organizations because people now, they look, don't they, at business owners and they say, you know, is this somewhere I want to work? You know, do you respect me? Do you look after me? Do you, you know, enable me to have some flexibility to fit my life around work? And all of those things have become so important. And actually, I just find that if you look after people, they will give you that back in absolute spades. So I think for me, the yeah. biggest learning is that the team of people or people who work for you, they aren't just numbers. They're not just a resource that you can switch on and switch off or, or they can be, but that's a, their short term decisions. Get people around you who have your back. And when the shit hits the fan, they you know they will step up and they'll be there and they'll be there to, to work with you. And for me, that is the key success to you know successful businesses and it sounds obvious amazing you know how, it's amazing how many people 
just no. you know I actually don't recognize it because um i think one of the key things that you said throughout you talking about that topic is actually the change in marketplace mentality and it is harder to find those types of people at the moment you know you've yeah. got people that won't attend a job interview you know yeah. they'll, they'll register for the job interview, not even turn up you've got people that um will take an interview and go actually i don't want a job <laughs> you know it's, it's a funny oh, market oh, it's a funny oh, market really yeah or they'll say they'll say yeah i'll do it but i want to work from home four days a week yeah. only comes to office <laughs> one day or you, you, you know or if you haven't got a car park right next to the office no i'm not going to do that yeah. and you know what and, and you know what good on them if they, you know if they have the boundaries and that's what they want to do that's fine but you will yeah. struggle to run your business or grow your business with people with that mentality you know and Absolutely. and and, uh, and yeah don't take for granted the people around you because they're they're hard to come by and when you have got great people crikey you know you need that around you don't you as a business owner as you business it's hard it's hard yards you need good people yeah. around you that, that are going to support you and for me that that that's the number one important thing well, I absolutely love it. And I've, I've really enjoyed talking to you today, Helen. It's been great to, you know, certainly loved hearing the, you know, the logical way that you've you've answered everything. Where's the best place for people to be able to get in touch with you, Helen? I know that you have your own um, way of working with people, with businesses as well. And obviously, yeah. even though we do that, we love to share. So where's good good for people to get in touch with you or maybe follow you? Uh, they could hear a bit more from you. Is there a social media channel particularly? or? Um, so um, you can link in with me. So I um I'm, I'm on LinkedIn and um, if anybody wants to visit our website to find out a bit more about the work we do, then if you go to uh, shapebeyond.com, um, you'll be able to have a look at, at, at the kind of work that we tend to work on. But um, LinkedIn um, tends to be the place that... that um, LinkedIn and shapebeyond.com. Shape yes. So, I love the brand name. Absolutely brilliant. Well, thanks. You've been amazing. I've really enjoyed talking to you. And, you know, I love the, the future-based mentality and the advice you've given is absolutely sound. So if you've been listening to this podcast, don't forget to go and rate and review. Obviously, the podcast is completely free. We bring these amazing guests to you, but we want to get the word out to more business owners. And you can do that by going and giving us a five-star review or just taking this link and sharing it with a friend so they can come and listen to this sort of advice and guidance as well so they can get more value. Thanks again, Helen. You've been amazing. I really appreciate it. And I look forward to seeing everybody in the next episode of Business Growth Secrets. Hi, everybody. Adam here. And I hope you loved today's episode. Hope you thought it was fabulous. And if you did, I'd like to ask you a small favor. Could you jump over and go and give the podcast a review? Of course, I'll be super grateful if that is a five-star review. We're putting our all into this podcast for you, delivering you the content, giving you the secrets. And if you've enjoyed it, please go and give us a review and talk about what your favorite episode is perhaps. Every single month, I select someone from that review list to come to one of my exclusive academy days and have lunch with me on the day, meeting hundreds of my clients. So if you want that to be you, then you're going to be in with a shout if you go and give us a review on iTunes. Please, of course, do remember to subscribe so you can get all the up-to-date episodes. Peace and love, and I'll see you very, very soon. Thank you.